0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Sleep Tight Stories. This story is about change. There has been a king that has reigned over the meadow for a long time, and now there is talk of choosing a queen. The meadow folk are divided between keeping the king and choosing a queen instead. When the rock and the maple put in their votes, the number are in favor of the queen. How will the new ruler do in the meadow? Queen Aster. For many seasons, The goldenrods had reigned over the meadow, and no one thought of choosing a king from any other family, for they were strong and loved to rule. But one autumn, something happened, which caused a great excitement among the flowers. It was proposed to have a queen, and such a thing had never been heard of before. It began among the asters, for some of them grew outside the wall beside the road and saw and heard what went on in the great world. These sturdy plants told the news to their relations inside. And so the asters were unusually wise and energetic flowers. From the little white stars in the grass to the tall sprays tossing their purple plumes above the mossy wall. Things are moving in the great world and it is time we made a change in our little one, said one of the roadside asters after a long talk with a wandering wind. Matters are not going well in the meadow for the goldenrods rule and they care only for money and power, as their name shows. Now we are descended from the stars, and are both wise and good, and our tribe is even larger than the Goldenrod tribe, so it is but fair that we should take a turn at governing. It will soon be time to choose, and I propose our stately cousin, Violet Aster for queen this year. Whoever agrees with me, say aye. Quite a shout went up from the asters, and the late clovers and buttercups joined in, for they were honest, sensible flowers and liked fair play. To their great delight, the pitcher plant, said I most decidedly and that impressed all the other plants, for this fine family came over in the Mayflower and was much honored everywhere. But the proud cardinals by the brook blushed at the idea of a queen. The fringe gentians shut their blue eyes so that they might not see the bold asters. The goldenrods laughed, and were much amused at the suggestion to put them off the throne where they had ruled so long. Let those asters try it, they said. No one will vote for that city violet and things will go on as they always have done. So, dear friends, don't be troubled, but help us elect our handsome cousin who was born in the palace this year. In the middle of the meadow stood a beautiful maple and at its foot lay a large rock overgrown by a wild grapevine. All kinds of flowers sprang up here and this autumn a tall spray of goldenrod and a lovely violet aster grew almost side by side with only a screen of ferns between them. This was called the palace, and seeing their cousin there made the asters feel that their turn had come. And many of the other flowers agreed with them that a change of rulers ought to be made for the good of the kingdom. So when the day came to choose, there was great excitement as the wind went about collecting the votes. The goldenrods, cardinals, and gentians voted for the prince as they called the handsome fellow by the rock. All the asters, buttercups, clovers, and pitcher plants voted for violet. And to the surprise of the meadow, the maple dropped a leaf and the rock gave a bit of lichen for her also. They seldom took part in the affairs of the flower people the tree living so high above them, busy with its own music, and the rock being so old that it seemed lost in meditation most of the time. But they liked the idea of a queen and both believed in gentle violet. Their votes won the day, and with loud rejoicing by her friends, she was proclaimed Queen of the Meadow and welcomed to her throne. "'We will never go to court or notice her in any way,' cried the haughty cardinals, red with anger. "'Nor we, dreadful creature, let us turn our backs and be grateful that the brook flows between us,' added the gentians, shaking their fringes at the mere idea." Others hid their faces among the vine leaves feeling that the palace was no longer a fit home for delicate high-born flowers like themselves. All the goldenrods raged at this dreadful disappointment and said many untrue and disrespectful things of Violet. The prince tossed his yellow head behind the screen and laughed as if he did not mind saying carelessly. Let her try, she never can do it and will soon be glad to give up and let me take my proper place. So the meadow was divided. One half turned its back on the new queen and the other half loved, admired and believed in her and all waited to see how the experiment would succeed. The wise asters helped her with advice. The pitcher plant refreshed her with the history of the area. The honest clovers sweetened life with their sincere friendship. And the cheerful buttercups brightened her days with kind words and deeds. but her best help came from the rock and the tree. For when she needed strength, she leaned her delicate head against the rough side of the rock and courage seemed to come to her from the wise old stone that had borne the storms of a hundred years. When her heart was heavy with care or wounded by unkindness, She looked up at the beautiful tree, always full of soft music, always pointing upward, and was comforted by these glimpses of a world above her. The first thing she did was to send the snakes away from the field as they were always sneaking up on the plants and birds and never listening to anything they were asked to do. The next task was to stop the red and black ants from constantly fighting, for they were always at war to the great dismay of more peaceful insects. She told each tribe to keep in its own country and if any dispute came up to bring it to her, and she would decide it fairly. This was a hard task, for the ants loved to fight. But she made them friends at last, and everyone was glad. Another reform was to purify the news that came to the meadow. The wind was telegraph messenger, but the birds were reporters and some of them were not very good ones. The larks brought tidings from the clouds and were always welcome. The thrushes from the wood, and all loved to hear their pretty romances. The robins had domestic news, and the lively wrens bits of gossip and witty jokes to relate. But the magpies made such mischief with their naughty news, and the crows criticized and condemned everyone who did not do just as they did. So the magpies were forbidden to go gossiping about the meadow, and the gloomy black crows were ordered off the fence, where they liked to sit, calling dismally for hours at a time. Everyone felt safe, and comfortable when this was done, except the cardinals, who liked to hear their splendid dresses and fine feasts talked about, and the goldenrods, who were so used to living in public that they missed the excitement. A hospital for sick and homeless creatures was opened under the big burdock leaves, and there Several belated butterflies were tucked up in their silken hammocks to sleep till spring. A sad ladybug found comfort in her loneliness, and many crippled ants sat talking over their battles like old soldiers in the sunshine. It took a long time to do all this, and it was a hard task. For the rich and powerful flowers gave no help. But the asters worked bravely. So did the clovers and buttercups and the pitcher plant kept open house with the old-fashioned hospitality one so seldom sees nowadays. Everything seemed to prosper and the meadow grew more beautiful day by day. Safe from their enemies, birds came to build in all the trees and bushes, singing their gratitude so sweetly that there was always music in the air. Sunshine and shower seemed to love to freshen the thirsty flowers and keep the grass green, till every plant grew strong and fair and passersby stopped to look, saying with a smile, what a pretty little spot this is. The wind carried tidings of these things to other colonies and brought back messages of praise and goodwill from other rulers, glad to know the experiment worked so well. This made a deep impression on the goldenrods and their friends, for they could not deny that Violet had succeeded better than anyone dared to hope. And the proud flowers began to see that they would have to give in. Own they were wrong and become loyal subjects of this wise and gentle queen. We shall have to go to court if ambassadors keep coming with such gifts and honors to Her Majesty for they wonder why they don't see us there and will tell them we are sulking at home instead of shining as we only can, said the cardinals, longing to display their red velvet robes at the feasts which Violet was giving in the palace when kings came to visit her. It is hard to see the good old ways changed, but if they must be, we can only gracefully submit answered the gentians, smoothing their delicate blue fringes, eager to be again the bells of the ball. Clematis astonished everyone by suddenly beginning to climb the maple tree and shake her silvery tassels like a canopy over the queen's head. I cannot live so near her and not begin to grow Since I must cling to something, I choose the noblest I can find. And look up, not down, forevermore, she said. For like many creatures, she was easily guided. And it was well for her that Violet's example had been a brave one. Prince Goldenrod had found it impossible to turn his back entirely upon Her Majesty. For he was a gentleman with a really noble heart under his yellow cloak. So he was among the first to see, admire, and love the modest, faithful flower who grew so near him. He could not help hearing her words to those who came to her for advice. He saw the daily acts of charity which no one else discovered. He knew How many trials came to her, and how bravely she bore them. She has done more than ever we did to make the kingdom beautiful, safe, and happy, and I will be the first to own it, to thank her and offer my allegiance, he said to himself, and waited for a chance. One night when the September moon was shining over the meadow and the air was balmy with the last breath of summer, the prince ventured to serenade the queen on his wind harp. He knew she was awake, for he had peeped through the ferns and seen her looking at the stars with her violet eyes full of dew as if something troubled her. So he sang his sweetest song, and Her Majesty leaned nearer to hear it, for she longed to be friends with the gallant prince, because both were born in the palace and grew up together very happily till coronation time came. As he ended, she sighed, wondering how long it would be before he told her what she knew was in his heart goldenrod heard the soft sigh and forgetting his pride he pushed away the screen and whispered while his face shone and his voice showed how much he felt what troubles you sweet neighbor forget and forgive my unkindness and let me help you if I can I dare not say as prince consort though I love you dearly but as a friend and faithful subject, for I confess that you are better to rule than I. As he spoke, the leaves that hid Violet's golden heart opened wide and let him see how glad she was, as she bent her stately head and answered softly, There is room upon the throne for two. Share it with me as king and let us rule together. But the prince answered, only the moon knows. But when morning came, all the meadow was surprised and rejoiced to see the golden and purple flowers standing side by side, while the maple showered its rosy leaves over them and the old rock waved his crown of vine leaves as he said. This is as it should be love and strength going hand in hand and fairness making the earth glad and that is the end of our story good night sleep tight